Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, stand with me this morning. Do we have any believers here today? My name's Mike. (laughs) I haven't been here for the last three Sundays. It's the first time in 40 years I have not been here three Sundays in a row. But I was preaching one of those Sundays in Texas, so that sanctifies the other two. So someone said, uh, you know, we didn't know where you were. We thought maybe you died and people didn't tell us. So... I'm still in the land of the living, so thank God for that. It's so good to see you. Let me tell you, when I'm not here and we're not in, in a worship service, you know, it just feels funny to me. I, I just feel like I need to be here, and certainly we need to be here together, right? Let's pray together. Father, we're so grateful that you love us, you care for us, and today our ears are open, our heart is receptive to your word. Anoint your word in my lips and in our lives. Lord, your word's already anointed, but anoint it to us today. We ask it, we pray it, in Jesus' holy name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. This past week, Pastor Matt has been finishing a sermon series called Good with Different from the Life of Daniel. And I thought about what he has been preaching, and it's interesting that this term, the Spirit of the Holy God, appears five times in regard to Daniel, and Daniel never speaks it, never says it. But those who saw Daniel and witnessed his life and his uh, legacy, his ministry, they would declare the Spirit of the Holy God is in him. And so you really can't see the Holy Spirit. You can see the effects of the Spirit. But I want you to know, even in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was moving. And today, we need the Holy Spirit to move in our life. And uh, certainly, in the day we live, we, we desperately need the Holy Spirit in our life, don't we? The world is getting a little bit crazy. And the older I get, it seems like the crazier it gets, or maybe I'm getting crazy and the world's staying the same. But I think it's the opposite. This last Tuesday, Carrie and I celebrated our 40th, uh, 48th uh, wedding anniversary. We dated four years before, then married 48 years. So Tuesday, we celebrated with hot dogs at the house. Great celebration. And, uh, you know, when we got together, uh, I've shared this story many times. It was in high school. Uh, I saw her standing by her locker And you've heard me say this, the spirit of hubba hubba went all over me. And I saw her standing there probably getting books out or putting books in. But something happened that moment when we connected. I I would love to say angels began to sing, but they didn't. Uh, Confetti and glitter and stars didn't fall down on us. Um, she, She didn't throw her hair back in slow motion like a movie. And I didn't appear like the front of a romance novel in her eyes. And, and, you know, plasma didn't go from one to the other. But something happened there. And whatever happened there, I'll call it love, I never ever thought of being married to anyone else except her. And we both dated other people, and, you know, in that four-year period, uh, we dated, we were engaged, but there were times that we, we weren't together, so she dated other people, I dated other people, but I never, ever thought I'd be married to anyone but her. 
So what was that? Could you see it? Was it visible? No. You see, we can see the effects of love. We can see the works of love. We, we can see what people do when they love and how they love. But love is just this kind of uh, thing that you can't really put your finger on to see. But how many of you know it's really real? I mean, you felt it, and I felt it. You know, when you see that baby, maybe the first time something just happens, you just love them, and the grandkids come along, and it's even better. But uh, you can see the results, you know how it feels, but you really can't see it. And since the Holy Spirit is a spirit, we, we really can't see the Holy Spirit, but we see how the Holy Spirit operates, the effects of the Spirit, the traits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and we know the Holy Spirit is real. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit is God. Just as the Father is God and Jesus is God and Holy Spirit is God, the Bible says the Godhead, Paul speaking, consists of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are not three gods, there's only one. But he also said in Colossians 2 and 9, I believe it is, he says that Jesus Christ is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But we know from the beginning the Holy Spirit's been at work in our lives. You would not be here if the Holy Spirit has not been at work in your life. Uh, I want to direct you, this is 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is the benediction or the last of what Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that we have recorded. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now notice this word, the communion of the Holy Spirit. Well, if you're familiar, and some of you are, with this Greek word kononia, what does that mean? It means fellowship, it means partnership, and it means intimacy. Would you agree with me that today we need the fellowship of the Holy Spirit? We need the partnership of the Holy Spirit. We need the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. Because you'll never be what you could be or can be without the power, the communion, the fellowship, the partnership, and the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So when we look at this, we know Without the Holy Spirit, ears open, eyes wide, church becomes a boring ritual without the Holy Spirit. And some of us have been to church where it has been dry and stale because there wasn't much of the Holy Spirit available. And we don't want to be that church. I want to be in a church that when the music starts and the worship starts, something in me is drawn to that. I, I want to be in a place that sometimes tears run down my face. I, I want to be in a place where sometimes I can say, amen. And if the word's preached, I say, yeah, get it, go for it. That's right, amen. Why? Because something is stirring in my heart. There, there is something that resonates in my spirit. And I think that's a connection with truth and worship as we commune with the Holy Spirit. We, we have that fellowship. I want to be somewhere where I am moved by the Spirit. It's not dry. It's not crusty. I'm not saying when in the world is this going to be over with. So if you look at your watch today... I'm just kidding. Listen, we, we need to be in that fellowship. We need to be in that communion, that partnership. Many references of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. So I want to give you 18 that I found as I went through um, the Holy Spirit, 
the Spirit, my Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of life, Spirit of God, Spirit of adoption, the same Spirit, the one Spirit, Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of His Son, Spirit of Jesus Christ, eternal Spirit, Spirit of grace, Spirit of Christ, Spirit of glory, His Spirit. Goodness gracious, how many spirits are there? There's only one Holy Spirit. But we see the personality, we see the descriptive nature, we see the attributes, and all these references made to the Holy Spirit. Do you know you would not even be here today without the Holy Spirit? Now let me just qualify that. You can't come to Jesus Christ and let the Spirit draws you. I mean, it's impossible. But the Spirit draws us because we need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is the Savior, so the Spirit testifies of Him. The Him is Jesus. The Him is the Savior. Only one Savior, amen? I mean, you can't be good enough to be saved on your own, moral enough, righteous enough. You need Jesus. And the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus. There is that verse that Jesus says, when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convince the world of sin. Now, Whatever you thought it was, or who it was, or how it was, maybe you thought it was your conscience, or maybe you you felt some guilt, or whatever, let me tell you what the Holy Spirit does for each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit tells us we need Jesus. Because each and every one of us have done something wrong, and the Holy Spirit is convincing us of our sin to bring us to salvation, to bring us to the Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of us have Felt that because we all have sin. Now, this is what the Holy Spirit does not do. The Holy Spirit does not condemn us in our sin, but convinces us of our sin. So when you hear this in your heart and your mind, well, you're so sorry. How could you have ever done that? Who do you think you are? You'll never be good enough. Look, you have messed it up. You'll never get out of this. I can tell you who that is. That's the enemy. He will condemn you in your sin, but the Holy Spirit will convince you of your sin. And let me tell you, it's not just bringing you to Christ. Even after you're saved, the Holy Spirit will convince you of your sin. Has anyone ever messed up since you've been saved? Okay, if you didn't say amen, you've messed up since you've been saved. Okay? I mean, maybe you were angry with someone. You said something you shouldn't have said. You you did something that you shouldn't have done. And even today, with me, I'll leave you out of the loop. There are times in my life the Holy Spirit convinces me of my sin and says, you need to go apologize. You you need to quit doing that. You you need to change this in your life. You you need to do this and not that. Can I hear an amen? That's even after you're saved because the Holy Spirit's still working in your life. And the Holy Spirit's still working in my life. And we see the Holy Spirit working from day one. This is Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form, void, darkness on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In this abyss, this mass, as God creates, the Holy Spirit is hovering. And the word there is indicative of a chicken setting on an egg to hatch it. Isn't that funny? Here the Holy Spirit is. As the Word goes forth, part of creation, the Holy Spirit is there. And the Holy Spirit's been active and present all through the Old Testament. The patriarchs, the prophets, the kings, the priests, do you realize the Bible says the Holy Spirit moved upon them to do the things that God called them to do? Let me just give you a few words here. Uh, They were filled with the Spirit for a particular purpose. 
The Spirit was upon them, rested upon them. The Spirit came upon them, instructed them. And today, not only does the Spirit come upon us, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. A whole other dimension. I mean, this is kind of new territory in this new covenant. And Peter even writes that the way we got the Bible is the Holy Spirit moved upon men of old, those old prophets, those old men, and they wrote as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got the Word of God. So it's not just these men wrote the Bible. How many of you know the Holy Spirit's the author of the Bible? That's why it is inspired and we have to realize that's how we got the word. Uh, do you remember some of the judges back in the day before there was a king? There were judges, and, and we know the Holy Spirit moved upon them because the Bible actually records that. Um, we know the Holy Spirit moved upon Gideon. That's what the Bible says. Remember this guy by the name of Samson? Now, now I've been preaching about Samson for 45 years, and, and I've got this picture in my mind, and some of you heard me say this, Samson reminds me of Sylvester Stallone. I'm just telling you, I don't know why. Because I just think it's like, yo, Delilah. You know what I mean? Now, now here's another thing that gives me a lot of uh, comfort. You don't have to be a genius for the Holy Spirit to use you. Some of you should leave better today, Okay? Samson, when you read the story, it seems like he's not very bright. He does some of the dumbest stuff. If this was a movie and you were watching it, you would say, hey, don't do that. And he does it. But this is what you hear. I mean, even sometimes in Sunday schools and people preaching, his strength was not in his hair. If, if his strength in his hair, then next month... I'm going to have a mullet or something. But that's not where his strength was. His strength was by keeping the obedience of the Nazarite vow, the Holy Spirit would move upon him because there are about four or five references. That's how Samson got his strength. Now track with me for a minute. When I read this verse to you, and I'm not going to read the other ones because it's going to be way too long. Judges 13, 24, 25. So the woman bare a son, called his name Samson. The child grew. The, the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord, say that with me, and the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at the camp of Dan between Zor and Estial. So what happened there? Well, if we go on, the next time is that he's going to Timnath, and a lion comes out to get him. So here's this roaring lion coming out, and as the lion approaches Samson, the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord moved on Samson, and when the lion got there, he took hold of the lion by his hands, and it said he tore the lion apart like a baby goat. Kind of gross, but anyway, it's what the Word says. But the, the prefix here, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him. And so when the Philistines would bind him, and the Spirit of the Lord would move upon him, and he'd break it. And the jawbone of the ass story, you know, and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him. And then the next several verses, it doesn't say the Spirit of the Lord, but we have enough reference to know every time he did an outstanding feat, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him. So listen, if you're going to do outstanding feats in your life, if you're going to change your world, you need the Holy Spirit to move in your life. And I need the Holy Spirit to move in my own personal life. And so here we are, 
at this juncture to say the strength was not in the hair. The hair was the obedience to the vow. But catch this, when he broke the vow, he did not know the Holy Spirit had departed from him. How many of you know obedience is something we all should walk in? And in the favor of God, keep the commandments of God, because you're not that good. And I'm not that good. Some of you have been listening to me preach for 45 years. Bless your heart. And some of you have been so kind. I, I hear this every once in a while. Well, Pastor, uh, you know, I've heard you preach for 45 years. Some of you, you know, have done that. And it's words like uh, you preach subjects over and over, but it's always fresh, and you bring something new, and, and I appreciate that. But let me tell you, I'm not that good. But I can tell you what I have. I have a helper. And I have a teacher. I need a helper, and I need a teacher. Because I'm not that good. But guess what? Look at the person next to you. They're really not that good. I mean, they're good, but they're not that good. So you need a helper, and you need a teacher. You need a guide. You need a comforter. You need the power of God that comes by receiving the Holy Spirit, and we know that it happened at creation through the Old Testament. And let's bring it up, John 14, Jesus speaking, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, Samson. No, I didn't say that. And I will pray the Father, and he'll give you another helper. Another means you have one now. That he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit in your life is the witness of Jesus Christ. Because if the Holy Spirit is not the Spirit of Christ in your life, Jesus lied to you because he did leave you, he did forsake you because he ascended in Acts 1. But the witness of the Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ in your life. Now, when you look at this, he tells us a couple of things. If, if I could have some people really help me out. Tanner, come up here and help me. and um, Keaton, come up here and help me. I mean, you're looking like you want to help me. So I'm going to give these guys a bottle of water. Just hold them there for a minute. So if they just took their uh, water and wherever they went today, how many of you know the water would be with them? And they'd carry the water and, you know, maybe put it in their pocket, put it in the car, get out of the car, got to take the bottle with them. But if they would begin right now to open that lid, and it says Ozarka on the front of it, which reminds me of Arkansas, but then it says water from Texas, now I'm confused. But if they drink that water, now not only is it with them, now it is in them. So Jesus is saying this. Y'all are having a good time up here, aren't you? Give them a big hand. Thank you. How many of you get the point? He said there's a helper with you. He's talking about himself. But notice this, he said, it is good that I go away. What? Jesus, how can it be good that you go away? He said, because if I go away, I'm going to send you another comforter. Now, if you wanted to go to Jesus for comfort, you had to go either with him or to him, or he had to come to you. So today, listen, 
wherever you are, whatever city you live in, wherever you are, you that are watching right now on you know, your iPad or television or whatever you're watching on right now, listen, you don't have to be here to have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You, you don't have to be in Stevens County. Wherever you go, all over the world, billions of people can have the comforter, as Jesus said, the helper with them. Why? Because he is in you. Not just with you, but in you. And so now, wherever I go, I can have the Holy Spirit in my life because now he is in me. Acts chapter 1, listen to what Jesus said before he left for heaven. Being assembled, verse 4, together with them, the disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. So there are about four observations we can get from these verses. Number one, the Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father. That's what Jesus said. Secondly, Jesus can baptize us with the Holy Spirit. That, that became evident all the way back in John the Baptist ministry. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, right? Number three, we can receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to us. And number four, we should be his witnesses. And you should be his witnesses today. And how do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit according to Scripture. Now, there's two things I want you to get. If you're taking notes, write these down. There is one group in the church today called uh, those who believe in cessation theology. Say that with me, cessation theology. Now, half of you didn't say it. Okay, let's try it again. Cessation theology. So the part, first part of cessation means cease. So there's a group in the church that believes when the, the apostles died and we have the word of God, we no longer need any of the works or the power or the presence of the Holy Spirit as they had in the book of Acts. They believed it ceased, cessation. But there is another group way on the other side people have tagged the sensationalist theology. If we don't have this knockdown, drag out, exuberant service, the Holy Spirit never moved. I'm not against that. But I'm telling you the Holy Spirit moves in multiple and many ways. So we believe not in cessation. We believe we still need the Holy Spirit today. We, we still believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We still believe in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We still believe that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, you can't even be saved without the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has to bring you and draw you to Jesus Christ. But on the other hand... I don't, have to sh I don't have to swing from the chandeliers every service to believe that the Holy Spirit's in my life. I'm going to preach to this side over here for a while, I think. But I want to be a part of a fellowship. I want to be in a church where I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. That when I come in, in the early service this morning, Connie said over here, and she said, I've been coming to the church about one month. And Connie was raised Catholic. Now, how many of you know Catholic, ray of hope, big difference? Okay? So she said, I've been coming for a month, and I had a dream, and I dreamed that I saw the church. And out of the church 
fire was coming, and she said, oh no, the church is on fire. But she said the church was not on fire, but I saw fire emanating from the church. Do you realize that fire is one of the symbolic things about the Holy Spirit for us to understand? Cloven tongues as of fire came down when the Holy Spirit descended from heaven. So what are we saying? We really need to have this experience with God to have the drawing of the Holy Spirit to the Savior, to be baptized into the body by the Spirit, and also receive the power of the Spirit. Because it's available to every one of us who believe in Jesus Christ. Now, in Acts chapter 2, that promise arrived. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord together in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Let me stop there. How many of you know you can't see wind? Well, sure, I can see wind. No, you can't see wind. You see the effects of the wind. You see the dust. You see the leaves. I mean, you see the the trees swaying. You see the grass, but you can't see the wind. So here again, now as the Holy Spirit signified as fire, also as wind, A rushing mighty wind, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided or different tongues as of fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, about 17 to 18 different languages were spoken on that day. And they're all Galileans, which means they didn't know these other 17 or 18 languages, but they did begin to speak in languages they didn't understand. And this is a a sign, this is a symbol, this is evidence of that Holy Spirit coming in. And so we know that the Holy Spirit will manifest in Mark 16, verse 17, Jesus speaking before he ascends to heaven, and these signs shall follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up you know, deadly things, poisonous things, it will not harm them, and uh, they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But I stopped here because they shall speak with what? New tongues. But in Acts 2 it says they spoke with other tongues, and then Paul wrote in Corinthians they shall speak with an unknown tongue. What is it? Is it new, other, or unknown? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, let me stop here. For all of you looking at me really funny. This is in the Bible. So when I made a little video this week introducing the sermon, I said, your theology should not, should not come from grandma. Your theology should not come from a denomination. Your theology should not come from me. Your theology should come from the Bible. How many of you know I just read to you from the Bible? How many of you know I just read to you from the Bible? So, this is not a different dispensation. This is the age of grace. This is the church age. This is after Jesus died was buried, resurrected, and ascended to heaven. We are still living in that same church age. This is not the old covenant. This is the new covenant. This is the New Testament. And Jesus said they will speak with new tongues. Acts 2 said they spoke with other tongues. And Paul said they will speak with unknown tongues. Unknown, what do you mean? Unknown, that's a good question. 
Well, I think Paul clarifies that in, in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels. Let me ask you a question. What language do angels speak in heaven? I don't know. Is it any language here on the earth? I don't know. I mean, when you get to heaven, will the angels say, hello, buenos dias, konnichiwa? I mean, I don't know. But the Bible says that Paul, referring to this, said unknown languages. Many years ago, in a service here, uh, we were around the altar, and one of our young ladies began to speak in tongues. And we had a missionary from Africa with us, and he said, I recognize that language. He said, that is a French dialect spoken in Africa. And I don't know what she's saying, but he recognized that language. So you have to realize that sometimes when I don't recognize, and you don't recognize, and there was a man who, by the name of Cheryl who wrote a book that many of you read, They Speak With Other Tongues. How many of you ever seen that, that book? And he gives the account of a young girl speaking in a language that he recognized, or someone in that service recognized, as Armenian, and she was interceding for missionaries in Armenia, and she didn't know what she was saying. But the Spirit makes intercession for us. When we don't know what to say or what to do, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us. Romans 8 says that. So tongues are not the Holy Spirit. They're a sign of the Holy Spirit. So is the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And there is that New Testament infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's in Luke 1.41. Zachariah, her husband, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1.67. John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb of Elizabeth. Now, I, I've got a daughter-in-law with twins, and, you know, she's pretty big, but what would it be like for someone in your womb to leap and be filled with the Holy Spirit? Whoa! Not only is she filled, but the baby within her womb is filled with the Holy Spirit according to Scripture. Now, Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, came down and filled Jesus without measure. So the Holy Spirit is not a dove, but descended like a dove. So if I take Jack here, and I can say, Jack is strong as an ox. Jack is not an ox. <laughs> Jennifer has told me that, but he, he, he's not an ox. Now, he may be strong as an ox. So the Holy Spirit's not a dove. The Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. So we know there were spirit and fillings all the way back to the beginning of your New Testament. And then in Acts 2, we, we have Jesus giving the fulfillment of the promise in Acts 1 and the last part of the Gospels where he breathed on the disciples and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. And that happened in Acts chapter 2. Now, please listen. I need to clarify something. It wasn't just the apostles. It was all the disciples that were there, 120, and women and women. And Jesus' mother Mary was there, and his brothers were there, and the Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do we receive, operate in, and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm glad you asked me, because I want to give you seven quick keys before we leave. Here's number one. You got a pencil and paper? 
This is our walk away this morning. You ask. Simple, isn't it? So, So how do I, in my Christian walk, walk in the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, you ask him. Listen as I read Luke eleven thirteen. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who what? Ask him. You have not because you? You ask not. Number two, you need to get thirsty. You, you need to get thirsty. John seven thirty seven. on that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified, but the promise was coming. And so you get thirsty for the Holy Spirit. The third thing is we need to repent. I asked this to the early service this morning, and we're going to take a poll here. How many of you keep your glasses in your cabinet right side up? A few, okay. How many of you keep your glasses bottom down? Okay, more going up. So we always, and still do today, keep our glasses bottom down. Now let me tell you why. Because some of the places we lived in, some of the places we lived in, there would be spiders and scorpions and bugs that would crawl in the glass. And you, you get your glass out and you get ready to fill it full of water and you got stuff in the glass that you got to get out. Okay, so, so we, we would keep our glasses bottom side down. Still do, still have that habit. But before you fill it with something, you need to get that out before you fill it. So one of the things we need to do to have the power of the Holy Spirit is we need to repent. Because the Lord doesn't want to fill a dirty vessel. He wants us to be clean. Acts 2.38, that Peter said to them, those who are coming to Christ, repent every one of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we want to be clean vessels. Here's another one. Don't resist. Don't resist what? Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't don't resist him, right? So, So we need to accept that the Lord wants to use us. Don't resist. But listen, I understand that if you've been taught against it and it's new, that sometimes these are thoughts that I've had even over my life. Was that just me? Have you ever had that thought? Was that just me? Or was that really the Holy Spirit? So I have to lean into, I have to give into the Holy Spirit. This is very biblical, Acts 7.52 uh, you know, Stephen is speaking, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit, and your fathers did, so do you. What did they do? They resisted the Holy Spirit, so don't resist the Holy Spirit. Here's another one, believe the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. You see, believing the Word of God produces faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And if I hear the Word of God today, if everything that I have read to you is in the Word of God, then what do you do? You believe that. If you don't believe that, then something else, a tradition or someone or a superstition or some kind of opinion has superseded the word of God and you're going to be in trouble. 
So I've got to put the word of God here. Everything has to be under the word. Can I hear an amen? Acts 10, 44, while Peter was yet speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. So there's something about the Holy Spirit and the word that connects together, and the only way we have the word is through the Holy Spirit. So we believe the word. And now we have to understand that your body is to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, and we've said this many times, in the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people, and now under this covenant, God has a people for his temple. You see, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul is writing 6, 19, 1 Corinthians, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. So now your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit because just as they drank that water and the water went in them, they had it with them, but then it went in them. Now the Holy Spirit has drawn you to Jesus, but once you come to be a believer and you're baptized into the body of Christ, now you can receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's not just with you, but the Holy Spirit is in you. So I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. And here's the last one, pray. Say that with me, pray. Because sometimes when you pray or you worship, what happens? The Holy Spirit begins to manifest out of your life. You may be seeing words you don't understand. You may be praying words you don't understand. But the Spirit is now making intercession in your life that you cannot make in yourself. And you're getting out of the flesh. You're getting into the Spirit, Jude 1.20. But you, beloved, building yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about this. You can exhaust in one uh, sermon for 35 minutes everything about the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, I don't understand everything about the Holy Spirit. And neither do you. But I know enough, I know enough to be filled with, led by, helped, guided, comforted by the Holy Spirit. And so, could I take my Christian walk to a whole nother level? Absolutely. You say, well, pastor, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, I am. But could I take my walk with God to a whole nother level? Absolutely. Could we take our church to a whole nother level? Absolutely. Why? Not because I don't believe this cessation theology that it's not even here anymore, or nor do I need to run into the wall. But somewhere is the authentic working of the Holy Spirit. I don't need you to fake it. I, I don't need you to cheerlead it up. I don't need to operate in something that is going to get everybody all excited outside of the authentic moving of the Holy Spirit. But there is that authentic moving of the Holy Spirit that causes tears to come down your face that wants you to fall and pray and get on your knees and lift your hands and say, that's right, that's the Word of God. That's, that's something that is alive in our life. And we need that. And we don't need dead religion. Or go through the motions. 
We need to know that we are doing something for the glory of God with God working through our life by the power of his spirit. And that's available to everybody today. And today, if you are not in Christ, if you haven't given your life to him, I believe today the Holy Spirit's wooing you and bringing you to the Savior. That's the only way you can come is through the Holy Spirit. And then you decide if you're going to resist him or give in to him, obey him or reject him. That's your choice. Let me tell you, you're better off if you choose him. Amen. Would you bow your head with me today? As they come to play, I, I want to whet your appetite today for a deeper walk in the Spirit of God. A walk that's based scripturally, that's authentic, that's passionate, that's real, that's life-changing. And if you've grown cold, or indifferent, or if you've ever wondered where that power, that strength, that burning inside of you went, how many of you know you can stir it up? Paul said we could. Stir it up. And if you don't know Jesus, that's the first place you start because he's the baptizer. He's the baptizer. Today, if you don't know Christ or you need to come back to him, I'm going to ask you very simply, be courageous. Say, Pastor Mike, I need Jesus in my life, or I need to come back to a place where I need to be with Jesus. Would you just lift your hand right where you're sitting? I know it takes some courage to do that. Thank you. Is there anyone else you just want to say, Pastor Mike, I, I need Jesus in my life, and I need to get back. And, and I'm not saying some of us aren't saved, but we're just not at the place we need to be with Christ. If you need to be like that prodigal to come back to the Father, you just say, Lord, I need you. Thank you. Now, here's the last thing, and I'll be the first to respond. Lord, I need a deeper, more powerful walk with you through the Holy Spirit. And if you would agree with me that that's possible and that's needy, especially in our generation, in our time. Folks, we're facing some things that have never challenged us before, even in the church. The Bible says, in the last days, wickedness shall wax worse and worse. And I believe we need to get better and better through the power of the Holy Spirit. So could you agree with me that we need a deeper, more powerful walk with God in the spirit that we can have? And I'm going to hold my hand up right now. If that's you, just lift your hand up very quietly, very gently. And just say, Pastor Mike, I agree with you. I personally need a greater walk with Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stand with me all over this house. We have some people that's going to help us pray. Today, if you're sick in body, if you need to give your life in Christ, a new boost, a revamp, a charge, 
then I would invite you to come right now. Or if you are making that first time walk to come for prayer, I want you to come right now. And if you have the Holy Spirit and you want to be re-energized and say, Lord, help me to walk in the Spirit, would you just leave your pew and come up here and stand? Nobody's going to, in, uh, going to embarrass you. Uh, if you believe that we need that, come and stand with us right now. In a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to come that can. So I, I don't want to leave you out. I don't want to leave you out. People are still coming. Let's give them a hand, church. Come on. It's important. Now I need some people to help us pray. If you want to help us pray, please come. And then another thing, if you want to stand here with me, and I want as many as that can come and stand with me, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Lord, help us to be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. If that's your prayer, would you leave your seat, leave the cascade section, leave the pews, and come and stand right here. We're going to pray a dedicatorial prayer over our own lives to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. We're going to pray together over this. So come on, let's pray together, and then we're going to slip out of here, and we're going to be back tonight at six o'clock. So as those pray with our prayer partners, let's pray for us today. Come on, pray with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're praying that we would walk in the power of your Spirit. We're praying that we would have a helper and a teacher and a guide, a comforter that we desperately need. We need this guide in our marriages. We need this helper in our faults and failures. We, we need this comfort in our tragedies and our heartbreaks and our losses. Lord, we need this power when we feel like we can't take another step forward. So God, give us the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us live in that power. Let us live in that wisdom. Let us live in that tutelage. Let us live in that comfort. Let us live in the steps that you put before us so we can do what you called us to do. We can engage the culture that you've called us to engage. And Father, that's our prayer today in the awesome, mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. God bless you. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.